Hola, ¿qué tal amigos? Welcome to another episode of Academic San Amigos. I am your host, Anthony Ramirez. We have a great episode today. This week we have assistant professor and now Dr. Asha Winfield. If you had a chance to hear the first episode that Asha was a part of uh, earlier in the first season of Academic San Amigos, you know you all are in for a treat. This is a fantastic episode, so let's get started. What's up, everyone? We're back for another episode of Academics on Amigos. I am here with the amazing, the wonderful, the legendary, Dr. Asha Winfield. She is back, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm happy to say this, that she is now an assistant professor at LSU's Manship School for Mass Communication. Asha, how are you doing? That's it. That's it. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling a mixture of all of the joy that I wanted to feel, plus all of the fatigue. Okay, I just feel the mixture of all of it. But but most of all, really blessed to be in this space, and like really shocked that I'm still here. Like this is my second birthday in the pandemic. There you go. Happy birthday, by the way. Thank you. Leave the gang. Stand up. <laughs> oh, by the way, I was going to, I forgot to mention to you, I found out that one of my students today is from Beaumont, and I gave you a shout out in class today, too, because of that. Big money, Texas! Come on. I love it. And I said that to my student, too. I was like, wait, you're from Big Money, Texas? And then he said <laughs> then. And then, and then she starts laughing. She's like, how do you know about that? Come on, come and on. One of my closest and best friends and peer mentor is from Beaumont. And she taught me what BMT stands for. And so she's all like, wow. <laughs> she's just like amazed by the fact that I know that. So I thought of you right away when she said that. I just made a connection. Everybody that I talked to is finding people from Beaumont. And they didn't even know anybody from Beaumont. They, they thought it was too little to have people there. But every time they find somebody from Beaumont on campus, they be like, oh, you're from Big Money. And they create this beautiful connection, okay, that lasts forever. So, you know, I was just like, my buddy's from there. You know, I had one of those moments was like, oh, friend. I was just like. <laughs> I love it. It's a beautiful place. You know, the murder rate is going up, but it's still a beautiful place. <laughs> it's still a beautiful place. I love it. Good people. Absolutely. You're from there and you're you're the best. So of, of course, good people. Are from there, you know? I'm not a murderer. Okay, let me put that out here. Okay. We're highlighting the good people. <laughs> highlighting the good people. And then we're not we're not talking about murders today. Well, this isn't a crime podcast. Okay, but if it was. If it no. was, you know, it maybe that might be like another segue type of thing that we might do later. I don't know. Uh, listen, I made it through a dissertation, so I definitely understand. No, I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All joking aside, it's great to have you back on the podcast. And, you know, I'm excited to talk to you about your journey since we've last talked talk and, and spoke. Um, because you've got it's been it's been a process. You're a doctor now. You're a doctor now. Uh, and, and how have things changed for you since then? It, it's been awesome and crazy. And like you said, just a lot. It has been everything awesome and everything crazy. So I think the last time we did this, was that in March or May of last year? Ooh, it's been a while. I, I, yeah, I, it was like early 2020. And yeah, um, yeah, earlier episodes too. Yes, episode three, shout out season one. Hey. Um, but so much has changed since that last interview. I think I had some energy then that I don't have now. But my spirit has been renewed, okay? Um, I think that was right after my my comps exams. And I thought that that was just going to be the hardest thing that I had, had ever faced. And at the time, it definitely was the hardest thing I had ever faced. Just preparing my heart and my mind to make sure that I really knew my stuff. Like, this was my stuff. You want to talk about Black representation? You want to talk about Black representation in television and film and music? want to talk about the way that Black communities use storytelling to, to pass on their identities. I wanted to be that person who knew the answers, okay? We want to talk about Black women and Black feminisms and how that impacts how we read the media and, and culture. I wanted to be that person. And so I, I feel like I, I stressed myself out a lot, trying to make sure I was prepared 
to really show that I had this expertise, that I wasn't just out here playing in College Station, okay? I wasn't just out here. I was actually doing the work, and I do believe I did it. Like, I proved it, and then the pandemic happened. I, <laughs> I, I defended my oral exams and things in February of 2020, and... Then the pandemic got really crazy and we thought, oh, it's not going to impact us. People were in my community joking like, oh, black folks can't get this. And then we really got it. Um, And everything just shut all the way down. And then we had our interview. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think the expectation was take care of yourself, but get your work done. Right. Right. Yeah. Stay alive, protect yourself, be safe, stay at home, don't see your family, and do your work. And that was the, that is so tough. And I know that you get it because we're both very family-oriented. It's it's not just being family-oriented. We, our culture is our family, right? Absolutely. Uh, We're all about gathering and being with the people. And, And the world told us that we could not do it. If you want to, if you want your people alive, like don't meet right now. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't have anything to help us except masks, and they were working on vaccines, right? And last summer was tough. Oh yeah, absolutely. It was tough. So the question of what's been happening since the last time we talked is it's layered, you know. Um, to think about the people that we lost along the way to get to this, you know, to get to this moment and to be uh, reflective. You know, my heart goes out to the people that I know, my family members who caught it. If I didn't think I knew how to pray before before now, I found out last year, okay? Um, there were so many uncertainties and anxieties related to 2020. Uh, but some kind of way, we made it, and I thank God for it. Um, in October of last year, I, I did my proposal, my dissertation proposal and passed it some way, somehow. Okay. Um, and after that, I was introduced to 50 beautiful black women who said they wanted to participate in my study and, and we got it done. You know, it, it didn't go with the timeline that I thought at all. For the people in the back, it did not go the way I thought it would go at all. Okay. Um, but it went. And and what I know now is more than what I knew when I began. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I know now will help all the other young scholars, emerging scholars, junior faculty like myself come up because you learn and you grow and you teach somebody else how to make it. Um, I think a lot of people say like, oh, are you first generation? And we get to like celebrate that. But people aren't also talking about how hard it is to trailblaze in your family and not have people necessarily understand exactly what you're going through or or why you can't come home. And it's not just because of the pandemic or why you can't go to baby showers and bridal showers and weddings and and also funerals. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because there is work to do that you can't explain. Yeah, 2020 to 2021 has been interesting, but the amount of people, the quality of people that I've met since the last time we chatted, uh, the people who have come into my village and supported me on this job market journey that was crazy, okay. Um, Yes, they were still hiring during the pandemic, okay, but it got a little interesting and nobody, I didn't get flued out. They told me everybody else was out here getting flued out and pandemic hit. Then nobody bought me no airline tickets to go do no interviews, but I ended up in the best place for me and I have been loved on as a scholar in so many beautiful ways. I just feel, I feel really blessed. I really do. That's amazing. Um, you mentioned about COVID and, and the impact that it had on the people's people in our lives. Mm. And, and out of that, I think you did something really special that I don't know we t- if we talked about it last episode or not, but, um, or it might've been something that you were thinking about, yeah. but didn't really, um, execute until a little bit later. And I, I had a chance to see it was a mini documentary that you did on the impact that COVID had on um, Black communities. Mm -hmm. 
And um, can can you talk about that and maybe like give a shout out about it and where can people see it too? Yeah, absolutely. So we started the initial processes of of doing a documentary. It it started off as me seeing my community in so much pain and so much grief, right? Um, and it was just, it was heavy. And I wondered if my people had a place to go to just talk about it, right. especially since we were all locked down. Like, where are my people going to talk about what is happening, right? Our family portraits are being changed forever, okay? People have lost jobs, uh, they've lost loved ones, and they've lost confidence in the governing bodies to take care of the people. I don't know if they ever had any confidence. Let me add that part, okay? Um, but I saw the pain in my community, and I did what I knew how to do. I made time for their stories. Uh, because I am a researcher, I knew I needed to go through IRB. I wanted to keep people safe and myself covered as well. Um, and I told them that I wanted to do a documentary, but I also wanted to, to use their stories to help empower other scholars who find themselves in our communities and wanting our stories for different reasons. Um, I needed our stories to be more than just about the statistics, right? Our, our people are so much more than the numbers that they represent, but those numbers are important. Mm -hmm. They, they represent names, they represent stories, they represent families who are forever changed because of this one thing. Um, and so I did the IRB. I got, got my Zoom links ready. I put my flyers out um, and I got some grants to help with that. So the Department of Communication at Texas A&M helped a great, a great deal. Um, but it was the Glasscock Humanity Center for Research yeah. that put out the call and they said, you know, we want to do something different to do this research, right? And I said, okay, it sounds like you're saying I can do what I want to do. And so I did. Um, so many people, I had 30 different interviews, mm -hmm. which is a lot, right? People finding time to just give you an hour to talk about what's happening. And the people told me that it was therapeutic. Mm -hmm. Right. So one young woman told me, she said, Asha, thank you. Nobody else has taken the time to just ask, how am I dealing with all of this? Mm -hmm. um, and that meant everything to me to take the time to cry with people. And I cried with so many of them. I was like, I don't know if this is research protocol, but I have a heart. OK, and I can't hide that. I, will, I refuse to hide that part. But I talked to funeral directors. I talked to elementary school teachers, high school teachers. I talked to pastors and preachers. I talked to youth directors. I talked to nurses. Mm -hmm. I talked to survivors. I talked to people who have lost their parents. Um, I talked to people who had lost their friends. I talked to therapists and counselors. I talked to business owners who talked about the fear of not being able to, to take care of themselves, but also the people who work for them that they have grown so close to. Mm -hmm. I talked to people who said that they just knew that they had to find a way to take care of their communities mm -hmm. and to keep them safe. Um, and it changed how I look at storytelling and research forever, mm -hmm. forever. Um, I wasn't able to, at the time, able to fly to the people and just, you know, get all the B-roll and all of the aerial shots that I wanted to get. But their stories led the way. And that was enough for me. Um, I have submitted it to different film festivals. And I'm also applying for, you know, some grants to, to really be able to take their stories above and beyond because that's what they deserve. Um, as of last month, two people that I interviewed in that documentary have passed away. Oh my goodness, wow. And I just cannot, I cannot, and I refuse to let their stories die with me. I will make space to remember them. They were actually in the same family from Orange, Texas. Um, and I remember that interview because we praise God in that interview. When I tell you, the, the daughter-in-law was singing 
And I say, you better sing, sis, sing your testimony. Nobody knows what, what families go through when they can't be in contact with their family members. And the only thing you have is a video chat if the nurse decides to let you call out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so they talked about the fears, how I take care of my family member. And what does it mean to really survive after this? Because there's a fear after surviving, right? Um, fear of not making sure you don't get it again. Fear of making sure you don't spread it to other folks. Um, but they talked about being grateful. They're no longer with us in the body. And I just, I want people to see the praise in their hearts. Mm-hmm. Um what I find so fascinating about your project is what you just mentioned, like the fact that one, you're sharing um, the lived realities of these individuals who have gone through so much and whether it's a roller coaster of emotions or, you know, you know, now carrying on memories of, of people who you had talked to too, that's deep. And I think that's one of the, that's one of my favorite parts about research in, in, in general. And the fact that we can share this with people that aren't just academics, I think that's powerful, you know? And I think more research like that needs to be done, you know, to showcase to people like, you know, this type of work's important too, you know, like besides the other type of work that we do, this is, this is real. This is lived reality. This is, um, you know, lived experiences of people who are, who went through, who are still might going, might be going through these situations, you know, because we're still not out of the pandemic, you know, you know, yeah, things might be slightly better. Um, but you know, we're still not out of it. And the fact that you were able to share, so many stories it's powerful i think that's very powerful and so um i hope that you can get them into like film festivals and stuff because people need to see this people need to see this um is there anywhere that people can check it out already though yeah so because we're trying to get some some distributor help and also trying to get it to these large platforms i did have to remove the the entire first cut of the documentary off of YouTube because you know they're not trying to buy it if somebody they can watch it somewhere else okay but I am working on a second trailer but the first trailer is on YouTube um and I can share the link with you so you can post it I will be happy to the the first trailer got so much attention that people were calling like hey how can we support what are you doing like this is amazing Uh, People talked about how emotional their response was. was, This was very visceral response to watching what what has happened since February 2020 up until the last interview that I had, I think, which was which was in August of 2020. Um, And as of this year, so this March, we started taking um, interviews for the second part of the documentary, which is a year later. Right. How are people coping a year later? Um, yeah, it's it's a lot. It's heavy work, but it's meaningful work. Definitely. Um, I know that we talked about before, you know, wanting to make sure the community knows that y'all aren't just research specimens or participants who forever remain anonymous, right? Your stories matter, your names matter, your cities matter, your location matters. Mm-hmm. Um It tells a story about you and about the people from your region. And I think that when our students come in contact with this kind of stuff, right, it impacts their confidence and knowing that they can do this, right? I need people from Big Money, Texas to know that they can do this work. Mm -hmm. I need people from Jones Memorial to know that they can do this work and that it's meaningful. Um, If I never get another article in a journal, that won't happen, but I'm just saying, okay? But if I never get another article in a, in a journal, but I'm able to tell these stories through these documentaries, then my life is fulfilled and I, I'm happy. It's it's a heavy load, but a beautiful load to be able to carry the stories of my community. I feel like the story keeper, okay? Yeah. I may have to put that as my name somewhere on the website, but I, I do. I feel like the story keeper 
but I want to make sure that the stories don't just stay with me. Right. I, when I say I want to amplify the voices, it's not just me trying to hit marks on diversity, equity, inclusion and access. OK, it's about me doing the work that's needed for the people who look like me and the ones that don't. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's that's amazing. Um, <laughs> Oop. Okay. We can edit that out. <laughs> I like how we had this really deep conversation about that, and then we're now laughing. <laughs> I knew that cough was gonna give me. It gets me every time. We're good. No worries. It's something we can we can always take out. So no biggie. Um. So <laughs> l- let's talk about. Wait a minute. Let's let's. <laughs> we're good. All right. So let's move on to another um, important topic. And, and we kind of talked a little bit about it um, a bit, but um, what was the dissertation process like for you? Hell, okay, that's not a good answer. Um, <laughs> Anthony! <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm right, I'm working on a dissertation right now. <laughs> I can explain why that my process was a little more hellacious than others and had everything to do with what was happening with me personally and not just the process. Yeah. Let me add that because the look on your face when I said hell was like, <laughs> okay. like, I laugh about it though. Um, I, I know, I know um, a little bit what went on because you and I have talked a lot about it. Um, you know, we keep in touch. And um, we've had conversations, but and I'm, I'm looking forward to you sharing this story with our audience today. But I laugh too because um, <laughs> I, I laugh because uh, I hear so many stories from different people too. And um, you know, I jokingly uh, think too. It just you know, I always hear people like, "Oh man, it's rough," and this too, you know. But the fact that you're like, that was the first word that comes up to, you know. Um, I don't know. It's just, uh, I don't know. It's, it's humorous, but it's real too. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Um, I can add more. So I would like to add that in my process, and I talked about this in the last episode, because at the time I think I'd had one surgery, Mm -hmm. but I had two surgeries in the very middle Mm-hmm. of my process mm-hmm. so in 2019 I had the fibroid surgery in 2020 I had a back surgery um but at the beginning of the pandemic it was so bad my my back my sciatic nerve was so bad that I was in the hospital almost every month telling these people I can't walk I'm in so much pain I cannot walk it takes me an hour to get out of bed I have to use different apparatuses apparati okay to to pick myself up mm-hmm. because my back is in so much pain. And when I would go to the ER down there, they were like, oh, it's just your sciatic. Use this cream. I got a little tiger bomb. Use this little roller on your back. It'll be better. And I say, y'all, it's not better. I'm doing everything y'all asked me to do. I'm still going to the hospital every month for pain. Y'all are dismissing my pain. You are acting like I can handle the pain. And I can. I know a lot of that goes back to, you know, there were times where people were teaching in the hospitals and the schools that Black women could handle more pain. And I'm here to tell you that that's not true. Okay. Tell the people that that's not true. Um, And they just thought I could handle it. I was in so much pain. I would be walking to class in pain. And at some point I ended up having to get a wagon. I don't know if you remember my little wagon. You remember me and my little red wagon, I had to just put my books and all my stuff in there because I couldn't carry anything on my back. And at some point, I just couldn't even walk anymore. In February, when the Voices of Praise Gospel Choir that I was the advisor for, when we had our um, gospel fest, February 29th, 2020, um, I was in such a bad shape that the choir members had to roll me around in a wheelchair. I was in that much pain. Mm. just outstanding then the pandemic hit I was scheduled to have a surgery in March of 2020 and I was told 
because your surgery is elective, you will have to wait until things are better. I said, until things get better for who? I was in pain all of 2020 up until I got my surgery in August. Wow. Um, so when I said the pandemic impacted us in a lot of ways, it yeah. really, it really did. So that made my process hard because if you think about it, we are typically at our computers, sometimes eight hours, sometimes 10. It's not healthy, but we are. We're in these positions for the most of the day, for most of the day, right? And because I couldn't do it, I was having to find other ways to get this immensely heavy work done, um, even though I was in so much pain. And so that's the hell. <laughs> that's that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, I think... The dissertation process in itself is a process. Mm -hmm. And so if people really aren't called to do it, if you are only doing it because you think having doctor on the front of your name is nice and you're probably doing it for the wrong reason. Okay. Um, the process of getting to the PhD or getting a doctorate um, is heavy and it's very transformational. So I think you would agree the person that you start off being is not the person you always end up being at the very end. And I think this is a pruning process yeah. and that it will make you better if you allow it. It can also make you a little better. I won't lie to you. That's no, true. Um, because the, part of the process is being okay with accepting rejection along the way, right? Uh, one of my ex's little entanglements used to say rejection <laughs> Okay, I just got to be honest. Rejection is direction, okay? Mm -hmm. I don't know if he was saying that when he was rejecting me, but that's not here. They're neither here nor there. <laughs> what he said, that part of what he said was true. Rejection is direction. And there's a lot of rejection in this process. It's very true. It's very true. And one of the <laughs> things, and you know, I think like to, to kind of add to that, it's it's one of the things I, I tell my students already now, you know, learn to accept um, feedback and, and, and criticism, you know, and rejection. You know, it took me a lot personally, both in my personal life and professional life to learn to accept rejection. Yeah. And I think and I've now and I think I think I think this is something that maybe I, I, I like maybe you can agree with me too is that i think it also comes with a sense of maturity too like yeah. um the older that we get and the more that we go through these various obstacles whether it's the comprehensive exam um whether it's writing a paper and, and trying to submit it to a journal and <laughs> rejection happens you know it might sting a little bit at first but afterwards you start seeing like okay what's the feedback they gave me how can i learn from it and get better so it's all about a frame of mind too of like how can we um change what might many people might perceive as negative but in reality it's like no this is a negative it's really meant to be you know, helpful for you to move on to this next step. It's just a building block, like you just mentioned too. Um, and prior to recording, we were, we were talking about like how I just sent in my first draft, and and I oddly enough, like I said, like I I don't know many people who probably would say this, but I'm excited for like the feedback and criticism. You know, oh, yeah. And it's something I've had to learn to to um, accept too, like. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's weird. Like, what do you think about all that? No, I think that's a beautiful way that you framed it. I think in the very beginning, the feedback was hefty. Okay. <laughs> it yeah. was hefty from a lot of different places, but you are absolutely correct. The attitude that we have when we get rejected will be everything that makes us a scholar that we will be, because that is a part of the pruning process. Mm -hmm. um, in this process, I, I had to learn how to write again, you know, how to write for my community and also how to write for the academy. And how do I marry those two things together without losing my voice, right? right? Um, I think along with that process of learning how to write again is learning 
learning the styles that are required, learning how to really frame an argument, which I'm yet learning apparently, okay? Um, and learning all those things so that I can help my students now, right? Like I graduate students now and I was just one a couple of weeks ago, okay? So it's been a, a, a wonderful change, but yeah, being okay with rejection and knowing that it's working for you and that it is direction. It's going to make those papers better. It's going to make those conference presentations better. It's going to tighten up those arguments, right? It's going to work for you in the end. Ultimately, if we are reminded that it, all of this rejection is going to work for you in the end, then you can make it. But I don't ever want to minimize the, the fact that it, it does sometimes hurt for people to say, your idea ain't it. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and, and not, and like you just said too, it's like, it, it, it does hurt sometimes. It really does. And there's some times too, where you just like need to take a step back and like, all right, I need a mental health break. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yes. Especially right now, 100%. And I think that's why our advisor was so adamant about making sure that we celebrated every big moment because you work so hard to get these big moments. And sometimes people on Facebook are like, oh, you got another thing, you got another thing. And I'm like, y'all don't know what it took to got to get here. Exactly. You do not know what it took to get this one publication mm -hmm. or to get this one video or to get this one conference thing. It is months of work, weeks of work, days of work, yeah. right? And sometimes people just see the highlight reel on Facebook and Instagram, like, oh, you're doing all these great things. You're great at this. I'm like, no, 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 no. There are some people who can just shoot these things out and they get it done in no time. And I mean, they're publishing out the wazoo. The rest of us, okay, are, are take a little more time. And so if you see us celebrating these big moments, it's because it came after rejections. It came after rounds of edits. It came after really con reconsidering and conceptualizing these ideas and being okay if people read this and say this is crazy um it, it came with being okay when other people see this to say yep yeah I see this paper and I see myself in it and this is the work that I want to do I finally feel seen those are the moments I live for mm -hmm. those emails that I got after these other publications that came out where black women were saying thank you so much for finally talking about this right those are those those are the reassuring moments that help me to keep going when I feel like this academy is trying to take your girl out. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't mean I don't still feel like that sometimes, but those are the moments that reassure me that I'm in the right place at the right time doing the right things. So, so yeah, the process of the dissertation was interesting. Um, collecting the data was my favorite part. Uh, I did a focus groups. I did five focus groups and the black women showed up for their sis. Okay. Um, I just, I had black women from all over saying, Hey, how can we support you? We got to support a black woman coming up and out. And I just, I felt so loved on and so seen and the conversations that we had in those, in those rooms meant everything to me. They, they still do. I still think about those women. Many of them I had never even met. I don't even know how they came across my, my study, my flyer. Man. But that's how much people were like sending it off. Like people from all over, from New York, from Georgia, from Louisiana, from Texas, uh -huh. from Florida. I had people from from all, from California. I had people from all over. I don't know nobody from California except one good cousin. So all over the country. Wow all over the country and we met on zoom to have conversations about black women and black how black women were responding to black women's biopics mm -hmm. um and it meant everything to me and it still does we took walks nostalgic walks down memory lane and they helped me to really conceptualize what i was out here doing like i thought i knew what it meant to remember and to remember right but they changed everything for me, right? Um, aside from the data analysis and, and getting the grants to help me do the work, um, the analysis was the hardest thing I'd ever done. <laughs> I think it's it, lit reviews are, are easier because you're pulling from other people's work, right? So really forming those ideas and those arguments using other people's work. But analysis required me to create 
And that, I think that's a different part of my brain. Yeah. And she was like, girl, what are we doing? And, and it took a lot, but I'm so grateful. I had more writing groups than I knew what to do with, okay? Uh, when people, I, we said it the last time, it really does take a village to create a PhD. Mm-hmm. Okay, and the village came out for me. I had a writing group every day from the time that I collected data in November. I took December to get my life together to try to work on those transcripts. Um, and then we, we got some money so other people could work on the transcripts. And January to August, I had writing groups. I had dissertation boot camps. I would call friends and say, hey, are you working? I had early morning writing groups, midday writing groups, evening writing groups late night writing groups. I was writing with anybody who wanted to write because I just, I needed to be done. And I still didn't meet the goal that I had for myself thinking I would graduate in May and be done with all the things. And I had to learn how to give myself grace. So Mm -hmm. I think the the two takeaways here are being okay with rejection and giving yourself grace in this moment. Mm -hmm. Nobody else can tell you what it's like to do a dissertation in a pandemic because they have not done it. They cannot tell you what it's like to to need community and not be able to meet and greet as as comfortably as you would want to and still get this done. Right. In the middle of all of that, still being on the job market. Right. I'm like, this is crazy. So December really didn't take off. I was out here applying for jobs, Um, but I wasn't like actively writing it and analyzing data. Uh, and that's a lot. And I also was losing family members and, and I had siblings getting sick and I was just like, Lord, help me today. It was so much. So many of my closest friends got COVID. All of my best friends, my siblings, <sighs> friends, church members. I just, I, there were days where I was afraid to go on Facebook because I, I don't know what I would have done. It felt like every day I was seeing somebody else's picture and it wasn't a birthday announcement. It was a death announcement. And I think I got like a a minor level of PTSD where I would go on and I would see a picture and like my heart would jump. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know if that meant that they were dead or alive. And it still messes with me when I go on Facebook. If a a flyer looks too good, I'm nervous. I'm calling folks. Okay. It, It pays to read right to read and make sure but yeah this it it was it was it was interesting times they still are interesting times um but I'm I'm so grateful for the support that I had I did cry a lot of tears along the way okay uh I really like to tell people I'm a thug and they be like girl stop saying that because you really not I really be out here crying um but these thug tears did drip from my eyes there were many days I was heartbroken we also got zoom bombed in February so that that added to to the pain and, and then having to go back and teach mm-hmm. two days later on the same service where you would just call the n-word and all these other words it was a lot okay all of this was happening during my dissertation writing um but I made it through and I I'll never do it again, okay? <laughs> I know some people out here with multiple PhDs, you got it, you got it, you got it. I'm not doing that ever again. Um, it, it It's definitely a process, and it's definitely an experience. Um, and when they say, like, not all people are made for this, let me yeah. say, not all people are made for this. And, and um, but let, let's let's i want to mention something super positive that happened out of this okay yeah and i think you know what i want to talk about and that's your actual dissertation defense uh, it was sweet it was so good it was fantastic like let me just say and i'm not just saying this because ash is my friend i'm saying this because this is real this is real here Ash's presentation not she does amazing presentations in general she does fantastic ever since i met her and i took classes with her we had um our our advisors um 
one of our, our well our advisors class my first semester here and i remember each time that you had a presentation and each presentation i've seen from you was amazingly designed you know it was like so i think i think two compliments that you and i always get are that um we're very social people yeah and two that we're uh that we know we have we always do nicely designed presentations Ooh, we're gonna have some cute slides period i mean <laughs> we, we have to you know what i mean we have that we have the i mean we have to we have to but one your 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 slides were beautiful Thank two you. the work that you did and and are currently still doing too like you're continuing with uh, black representation in the media and popular culture but the work that you did for your dissertation was so powerful and so amazing and you gave so much energy in that presentation oh my gosh i'm breaking stuff here um <laughs> because i'm excited um and so um it was, and so many people were there. Let, let's talk about that. So, the village was there. The village was there. <laughs> the village came out, and there were still so many people who wanted to be there who couldn't. But, yeah, I looked up at that number, and it said 75 people in the room, and I said, whoa, hold on. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> um, I was so nervous two weeks before thinking, oh, no, things going to get pushed back again. <laughs> Okay. I was so nervous to the point where I didn't even want to invite folks. I was like, it's going to be what it's going to be. And my village encouraged me. They said, no, 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 no. This is the moment we finally get to cheer for you. Finally get to see all of the work that you've been doing. Invite the people. And I, I, I invited the people. Okay. I invited people I had classes with. I put out a notice on, on my, on my stories. And I said, Hey, I'm sending out invitations to my dissertation defense. If you want to come send me an email. And I mean, ting, 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 ting. That was my notification. People were like, girl, you know, they invite me. And I invited the folks and, and and they came and I just felt, I felt so loved and I felt like I was with my people and I felt like I could deliver this thing in the way that I am, right? I, I remember during my, my job market um, practice talk, it was told to me that I had great energy, right? That that was really good, but that I needed to make sure that I was still scholarly because sometimes when you show too much energy or for personality, it can be looked at as like you're not scholarly or not edu educated enough. Bad enough, I already got this heavy Texas accent, okay? Every time I try to think I don't have one, my Louisiana students tell me like, oh, it's really thick. And I'd be like, don't do that, don't do that. So I'm, I'm working with this accent from down south. I'm working with all this personality that I got from the black church. <laughs> okay. And, and I'm out here talking about black women, black biopics and telling people that this is scholarly mm -hmm. and I'm bumping up against people who say, this is not how scholars, how scholars act or present. And I'm bumped up against it. Okay. Um, I invited my people and I gave a presentation just the way I wanted to give it. And for me, it was everything I hadn't seen but wanted to be. And I did it. I did. Um, I felt the support of my people. You know, I, I would look around and see them nodding their heads. And so many of them sent me recordings that they had of the moment. And it just felt like my God moment. It felt like I have been working for four years for this moment here august 18th 2021 will be the day i never ever forget um and i hope that people listening when it's their turn i hope you show up as 100 yourself and that nobody ever makes you feel like being yourself is not scholarly you can be the scholar that you desire to be without losing your personality um you can be the scholar that you want to be and nobody tell you what work is good and what work isn't rigorous enough bump that uh, if we really want to deconstruct um, all the things that have been, okay, you're going to have to bump up against it with yourself, okay? Um, yeah, I, I, I get a little, you know, I, I just, I've seen people feel like they have to change, and I've heard people have conversations about how they, how the academy changed them, 
and not just in the ways that we were previously talking about, right? Like the pruning process of really becoming the scholar in, in this space, but don't ever think that we have to lose ourselves in order to be called doctor. No, 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 no. No, show up 100%. I tell my students in the class that I'm teaching now that real inclusion means we have a seat at the table and I don't have to deny any part of myself in order to be accepted, seen, or heard. Absolutely. And I refuse to, okay? Um, let me be all of me and be proud of every part of my existence and the parts of me that are learning, all of that's going to show up. She a little loud and a little country from Big Money, Texas. Got a heart of gold. And she really out here working. And that's what's going to show up every time people invite me to their spaces. Um, I'm just as loving as I am rigorous, okay? Just as kind as I am brilliant. And that those two can exist together without people putting stereotypical tropes upon me because I'm in this black body, okay? So, yeah. I you know, and, and speaking on that, I mean, you know, I think one of the things that we talked about in the last episode, too, is about the idea of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I think realistically, if you want true diversity, equity, and inclusion, you have to be yourself, you know, you have to accept people for who they are, you know, um, you, you can't you can't change somebody's person personality or anything like that and i don't think that's right either you know what i mean if you really are a person about dei diversity equity inclusion you accept the person for how diverse they are if you truly want to be equitable let them be themselves if you want inclusion let it, let them feel included by being themselves you know and Honestly, the way that you did your presentation, I wouldn't have expected it any other way. That was Asha one million percent, you know. <laughs> and it's the, and you know what? I mean, that's the person that that I know and love. That's my friend right there, you know. And um, hey, I'm saying this because it's real. You know what I mean? Um, you know, you're you're like a sister to me, and you know, you really are somebody incredibly special to me you know that and um i'm very very thankful that i got to share that experience with you and let me just say here too you're invited to whenever i have a dissertation uh defense you're you're invited and you know that you're a big part of my village and um you've been a big supporter with me throughout this journey and so i'm happy to see where you've gone with it and so let's talk about the future now like speaking about the future so I want to know what projects, what projects do you have work, um, going on right now? What are you working on? Like you, you're now Dr. Asha Winfield. So Ooh. now, so now what are the big, big projects you got going on? Can I say that I still get really excited when people call me Dr. Winfield because I don't know, something happens. <laughs> you know, you have every, you have every right to be excited about it. You earned it, you know? Yeah. So I still get I don't even know how to describe the feeling with the word. I don't know that I have the language for it, but my heart perks up when people say it because I'm like, this is the dream realized, right? But the future includes finishing all the papers that I didn't get to finish because I was trying to finish the dissertation. (laughs) Um, So that's key. But also, um, so finishing up this documentary for the Black Experiences with COVID-19, Media, Morning, and Faith, I'm so excited about that. I'm I'm applying for all kinds of money to get it done um, because I know and I see what it can be. I see it on big stages and I see it opening up conversations, not only about what scholarship looks like, but about what this pandemic has done and what we will remain with. Um, even as we try to keep people safe. So I'm really excited about, about that work because I got to collaborate with two of my favorite public health professionals out here. Um, I'm also excited about getting to work with graduate students. So we're submitting papers and chapters everywhere. So I recently submitted um, parts of my dissertation for, so the whole dissertation for a book proposal that's out now so wish me the best of luck because uh, I really want people to be out here talking about black women's biopics and how it impacts um what we understand about audience reception and and also memory making right mm-hmm. um 
I'm also pulling out chapters and, and making those into articles because I want us to be able to talk about those themes that came up for me, right? So definitely talking about articles, talking about the Black living room pedagogy, definitely articles talking about silhouetted representation, um, and definitely definitely this, this model for the intersectional call and response that we saw. Um, so doing that, as far as new projects, uh, my goal is to really make sure we're having these conversations about Black women's health and how and where we see it in the media. Um, that's important to me. And, and finishing up these other papers that, that I've been working on with other colleagues. A lot of the work that I'm doing now is collaborative. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found out that that's clearly the way to go. <laughs> okay, out here doing all this hard work by myself. And there are people who want to work with me that I also want to work with. So that's been beautiful. Um, so finishing up these barbershop papers and talking about race and space and gender and how how we perform in those spaces. Um, definitely finishing up the blackish paper to talk about how family storytelling is impacted uh, by what we see on television and the stories that we're consuming. Um, I have some chapters coming out on the strong black woman trope. Um, so that'll be interesting, right? To really deconstruct that, but see how it's, how black women are, are affected by, by this ideal that cuts across so many different genres, right? Um, also talking about the Aretha Franklin biopic with my friend, Julia, future doctor, um, and I'm really excited about this rhetorical piece, looking at a biopic that I waited for for over a year and a half, I think. So that's another thing that COVID changed, right? All the movies that I was waiting for in 2020 came out in 2021. <laughs> um, but just these big moments, I want to be able to talk to directors and, and people who are creating Black women's stories to talk about what's important for them in that in that room, in the story making room, right? What's important in that edit room, right? How are we choosing to remember Black women? Because that's what impacts the Black women that remain, right? Um, and so I'm excited about doing that work. It's a lot of things on the horizon that we're working on articles that I was supposed to finish a long time ago. Okay. But everything I pushed to the back burner when you're trying to get this PhD. Okay. Can I propose um, something really quick? Yeah. Okay. You remember in a class that we took, or I'm, I might've, I'm, I might've had it by myself, but it's a project that I've talked to you about, um, on the female representation of Black Panther. Mm. okay talking about that okay so with your knowledge and 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 my semi-knowledge i guess uh, on 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 comic books (laughs) um i'm proposing what if we do a collaboration on 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 that paper like like i think especially what you just mentioned with that the strong black woman trope i think that'd be fascinating to include in that and maybe we can do a collaboration you know down down the line on that that sounds good we were supposed to collaborate on black lightning a long time ago friend we were we were so we can still do it let's see if we can still do it if not let's do this black black panther one yeah we gotta see what this next one is gonna be like too i'm really interested in seeing especially since you know oh man i'm not gonna cry no i I know i know i'm i'm I want to see what they're going to do too with it. Yeah. With a sequel. So um, we'll, we'll see what happens. And honestly, I don't know. I'm excited. We, though. Make sure we call out his name, you know, say we got to make sure we say his name. Uh, it, Cause he'll be so missed, you know, Chadwick Boseman plays such a big part. Such an amazing actor that, that died way too young. He passed away way too young, you know, and um, so definitely shout out to Chadwick because amazing actor in so many amazing films too. Like so and, many good biopics that he's done. Yes, right? yeah. And so, and, the, and the impact that he had just not just on the black community, but for everybody, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. of course he had such a huge, huge impact on, on the black community because you would see it all over social media, you know, yes. that's powerful, you know? And uh and uh 
so yeah, definitely a shout out to to Chadwick Boseman, you know. So um definitely, but um this is a weird transition because I don't know how to transition from it, but no, it's okay. Yeah. I'll say this, and I, I am interested in seeing how the story will change and how the black women will lead in this next in this sequel, right? Because I expect to right. Um, and so that's what I'm really looking forward to. I'm looking forward to not just the conversations, but the characterization, right? Mm-hmm. How you remember, remember what was while also making space for what exists now. Um, who has the power, who has the agency, and who's going to be forced to save to save us all. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm interested in seeing what that's gonna be. I'm excited to see. I, I love black women and I, I want to see what's going to happen, you know? Um, I want to see us in all of our outfits again. I want to be able to walk up to people near and far with my Wakanda forever because my students made me stop. They were like, you're doing it too long. You, you've done it for over a year now. You had to put your arms down. I said, okay, that's fine. Uh, but I'm excited about these moments. I'm excited about the media landscape really changing, mm-hmm. right? Being able to see... And, and of course, it's not always reflected in the awards that we get because, I mean, clearly, I mean, it go around. It wasn't it wasn't that. But I feel that any awards, but our stories are impacting the audiences and they feel like they see themselves. Then I'm excited about the changes to, to the media landscape and what it's looking like and what opportunities we have to be able to talk about not just to critique it, but to be critical of what we're consuming, right? And mm-hmm. and to enjoy it, you know? Yeah. yeah, I feel that on the Latinx and Hispanic front, I mean, I, I'm, that's why I do my research, you know? I'm trying to push for that, especially with the media and popular culture. I just want to see more representation. And, um, you know, like you said, it's powerful. It's powerful. And so, like, like def- you know, Media and popular culture have a huge impact on people, and I think that's really important to really note. And speaking about that, you're you're starting up a lab, right? In relation to, I am. That was a good transition. That was good. <laughs> but yeah, talk to us about this lab. I'm by the way, I'm working on your logo. I'm trying to see what I can do um, with it. So we'll have to have another like meeting just to see what we can brainstorm together some more. So funny. Not as talking about work for real, for real. Um, <laughs> I think I may have almost accidentally created a logo because Canva, I was just creating some slides and I was like, this would kind of work as a logo. I don't know. But yeah, let me introduce our friends and listeners to the Storytellers Lab. It's a place where the stories go. Insert music. Um, but yes, I... When I was on the job market, I was telling the people that I was interviewing with the institutions that stories are important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to shout out Dr. Anna Wolf's class about the narratives, mm. that class I took about narratives, because it changed my life and my scholarship forever. I mean, I tell her all the time, but if there are opportunities to shout out folks, I believe in shouting them out. Um being able to capture people's stories and to remember them in a visual way has changed my life. Mm-hmm. Um, it's changed my scholarship. It's changed my research profile. And when I was on the market, I, I told the people who were interviewing me, I have to be where the stories are. Mm-hmm. I, I want to be where the stories are. I want to be producing the stories, directing the stories, capturing the stories. And I want to be around students who are interested in telling their community stories. Absolutely. That's the only way we are going to change the narrative about the collective. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, at times we can resist what is being created by dominant culture. And other times we create. It's not just a counter storytelling. We're creating. And our creation is resistance. And so the Storytellers Lab is in the making, okay? Um, So many students have reached out already saying, hey, I wanna support, and I love that, right? For me, the Storytellers Lab is a place where academics 
who are also storytellers gather and students who want to be storytellers gather and also our community leaders, people from our community who, who hold these oral histories and life histories where we can come together to create and capture these narratives through documentaries, through short stories, um, in the visual aspects, right? And to capture it all on film, I think these are the, the moments that will last forever, you know, when we're when we are gone, our stories will remain. And that is important for me. Um, and to be able to do research about the process of it also helps, right? So having this this duality, if you will. Um, it's really important. So to be able to capture it and to allow people to be seen in their wholeness. Sometimes we aren't always able to capture it with just the audio or, or just the text of it, right? But to actually be able to hear somebody else tell their story, that is so powerful. Um, and that for me is representation. I could try my best as a scholar to make sure that your words and your stories are represented in the articles, but there's nothing like people being able to see you and hear you for themselves in, in its most natural cuts, right? Not in, in these small little cuts that sometimes get mastered in all the wrong ways. Um, but for me, that's important. And the Storytellers Lab is gonna allow me to do that. So the first thing we're working on is finishing up this documentary and traveling around the United States to see how the participants have been able to live and survive since the last time we talked, right? How have they, how have their lives changed or, you know, what have they had to do in order to really maintain? Because that's big. Um, but we're also working with the community to capture community stories. There are so many stories in Baton Rouge. Um, the story of Baton Rouge is a very interesting one as I've been talking to people from around here. And I want us to be able to have a space where people can go and say, yeah, that's my community story. That's my neighborhood story. Um, I want that. I, I want that. Eventually, maybe one day down the road, I'll be able to tell a story about Beaumont, Texas, Big Money, Texas, and about my experiences in the neighborhood. Because there's so many, and it's my story. You know, somebody got to tell it, and why not me? Um, but interested, interested about telling and showing our people that we are here, mm -hmm. we're here to stay. So yeah, I'm I'm out here cold emailing famous people to try to get them to connect with me. I'm still waiting on Avery DuVernay to be like, yes, sis, let's work together. Um, that's how I imagine her talking. She just seems so cool, you know what I mean? So yeah. I'm I know that'd be huge for you too. I would pass smooth out, okay. <laughs> Again. Um, yeah, I, I, it would be so big. I think another part of what the Storytellers Lab is hoping to do, and this is what I propose to people who want to collaborate, is that I want to do a film festival for the community where we look and view and consume the community stories that have been captured with the lab um, and, and allow the people to feel famous, not just famous, but seen, okay? Seen and heard. And that for me is so big. So planning a film festival for next fall and also planning an event called Telling Black Stories, an event for academics and storytellers um, to really be able to talk to the people who are out here doing the work about what is it like to, to be the person who is the story keeper like myself, right? So. I love it. I love it. I'm looking forward to seeing all these projects coming to fruition and um, just see all the amazing things that happen, you know, and just... I know that it's going to, you know, be fantastic and, and wonderful because, uh, you know, all the projects like I've, uh, we've mentioned here have just been so awesome. And, you know, I, I'm a huge fan of that line of work, too. Um, hence the reason we have this podcast. I have this podcast um, and have these conversations, too. And so um if there's any way that I can help on my end, please let me know. Like, you know, I'd love to collaborate with you. Of course, without a doubt, I would love to. Um, so oh, that's so cool. I'm really excited about it. And I can't wait to see that film festival in, in uh, fruition, you know, it, it, oh, that's so awesome. It's going to be good. The students are excited about 
being engaged in the scholarship in this way. And I want that for them. You know, I'm the new kid on the block here at LSU. And so I'm meeting all kinds of people who I almost feel like they've been waiting on me. Like they were waiting on me to finish the thing so I could get here and do the work that's needed. And I love it. I mean, I'm here to work and do the things to finish the papers and to do the film. Okay. So, yeah. Asha, this has been an amazing conversation. You always make me smile. You always make me laugh. You always bring such light into any room that you're in and positivity. And I can always say that I am forever grateful for you and your friendship and your mentorship and just everything, you know. Um, you are such a wonderful person. I am so proud of you for everything that you've done and are continuing to do. Um, so thanks so much for being here again and for being a guest again on the podcast. And um, is there anything you want to give a shout out to want to, you know, highlight anything like that before we end our episode? Oh my goodness. I mean, listen, there are so many people I could thank because from the, like I told you, from the last time that we talked until this time, so many, so many people have come into my life and have been such a blessing. Just the light that you say that I am, they've been for me. And so just shout out to my village, shout out to my community. Um, if I made you proud, I'm, I'm happy, but please know that I couldn't have done it without y'all. To my dear friend, Anthony, dear friend, Anthony, Thank you for the love. You've been consistent since day one, us walking around Texas A&M campus, okay? No, day one, since we were out eating in the Village Cafe with your people, you've been consistent. And yeah, you don't always find that. So when you do find it, you cherish it and love it. And you know, I love you deeply and I'm here to support, okay? Our next future doctor, okay, out here. Um, and I just feel, I feel more than blessed, but I don't always have the language to capture my gratefulness other than saying that I'm grateful, right? For the people who will listen to this entire podcast and feel encouraged, I'm grateful for you for listening to the entire thing. And I hope that you know that there's space for you. Take up space. Yeah. Absolutely. Definitely. We need more people to take up the space. Mm-hmm. So on a final word, take up the space, people. Like, like, like let's do something special um, and, and continue, like, building on this legacy that we're, we're trying to create here. And so with that being said, have an amazing, amazing time. Um, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Asha, thank you so much again. Thank you, friend. Again, thank you so much to Dr. Asha Winfield for being a guest on this week's Academics on Amigos. For more on Asha, be sure to follow her at Asha Winfield on Instagram and Twitter. For more on Academics on Amigos, be sure to follow us and check out our new website at www.academicsonamigos.com. There you can check out past episodes and current episodes as well. And be sure to follow us on all our social media platforms. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. This episode was hosted, produced, by Anthony Ramirez. Until next time, my friends, hasta luego, be cool, and stay awesome.